Hello there, darlings. Welcome to the Clockwork Cabaret. The ladies are here to bring a little joy and culture into your humdrum lives. You have only yourself to blame for encouraging them. And now, on with the show. <laughs> And I would like to take a moment to talk about art. Ooh. Yeah. Just we're, we're very cultured these two weeks. Literature I'd, one well, a week, art well, another? Yeah, well, I mean, we've been trapped in the house. <laughs> or on the airship, depending on how how oh, how how, how you wanna uh... go. <laughs> how you wanna go. Uh if you want to pretend we're still on an airship being uh, 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 menaced by koalas, hey, it's the pandemic. You do you, boo. Yeah, yeah, you can continue to do that. It's fine. Isn't that fiction? It's it's a good fiction. It's a good story. I like it. I liked it. I like the Calpurnia. I like it's all that. It's our reality. <laughs> but but right now, it's it's hard to keep just being normal. <laughs> <laughs> all together uh, adding all of the it's fake... hard to keep track of what's happening in actual reality without adding an alternate reality yes, onto exactly it. so but yes the I... actual reality is terrible fucking wanna... broken yeah and i don't want to talk once about again it. i remind you this the ban the the swears ban is off yes yeah so art Whatever your so art um it was, you know, as some of you may remember, a couple weeks ago, it was my birthday. And as birthday presents to me, to myself, I bought some artwork. Ooh. Because I'm cultural. I'm cultured and classy like that. Actually, oh. I was like, ooh, look at how fancy I am. I did not buy real original art. Do not worry. I'm not that cultured <laughs> or, or classy. <laughs> I bought prints. You, I drew you a very beautiful post-it note the one day. That is true. I is I, true. I assume this means you have not framed it. I have not, because I because a post-it note is very hard to frame. No, it does not have an an a rag, cloth, paper, arc, you know, archival quality UV protected frame. Not yet. No. No, I haven't found the right mat and my archival tape and all of that to attach it to. I have not uh, done that yet because it's very hard to find the right measurements for a post-it note. The only thing I can think of is to get a very large frame and put the and put the post-it note in the middle with a very huge mat so that people have to get really close. Absolutely. To see what it is. So I, I expect nothing smaller than 36 across. Yeah, it's going to be 36 by 36 square. It's a giant square. Yeah. yeah. 
with a mat with only big, big old mat with a quarter inch. <laughs> hey, you know, I, mean, I like big mats and I cannot lie. Yes. Beveled, a beveled edge. Yeah, no, I expect there, there, there's at least two mats. Yes. It's going to be double matted with a beveled edge. Of course. Both. One is white, one is off white. Yes, of course. Of course, that's how it's going to be. Rupert has his work cut out for him. Rupert actually has a mat cutter, so he'll make I, him do it. There was a time that I did not own a mat cutter, but I was so good at cutting mats that I did not need one. I had a one of those, uh, like, I guess, right angle triangles that helps you get your 90 yes. degree angles right. And a big old T-square and a box cutter. And I would, I did and would cut all the mats all day, every day. Well, it's, it's, it's a practice. I thought that, that was a skill that once you had it, you just have it for life. No, it's a practical no. skill that you have to practice and you have to use. Yeah, no, once you stop doing that daily, it doesn't, you lose, you lose it. <laughs> it's yes. been yes. the calendar yeah. 20 years. Yeah, well, Matt Daly. So Rupert has a has a mat cutter, and even with a mat cutter, if you have not been cutting your mats mm. on a regular basis, it still takes a couple tries to get it <laughs> professionally cut. Yes, art supply store. I would like you to send me an entire case of yes. of of, uh, of mat board. Thank you. Yes. Well, we still have we still have a. I think we have. A, a box that is probably t over 20 years old now of mats. What, did it come from Dick Blick? I believe it did, yes. Yes, and it was for when Rupert... <laughs> I have had several boxes of mats was, delivered from Dick Blick. It was for Rupert's uh, art show that he did many, many moons ago. And, uh, and yeah, and I just watched him go through it and, like, chuck mats that were bent... Or yep. had any sort of smear or oh, markings geez. on them, yeah. and and then you know, and then ruin some, and they get shucked, and he still has like thirty of them left or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's that an obscene the, amount. The, the the struggle was real. I yes. no longer know how to cut mats anymore. I this 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 skill sadly has faded from my repertoire, but I do still have the scar. Oh yes, that I gave myself cutting mats. You'll remember that for always. Yeah, you know. <laughs> It's a memory. You know when I tell you to, well, maybe you non-art students don't know this, but when you're cutting mat, your people who are instructing you will always tell you, check to make sure that none of your fingers are in the way. Double check to make sure that none of your fingers are in the way. Guess Triple what I didn't do? You didn't check to make sure your fingers were out of the way. No, and I was and I was mad. So normally when you cut a mat, for those that don't you know, you have a metal ruler, you put your hands on it and you, and you kind of score it. You, you go yes. over the same line several times. You don't try to cut through the whole thing in one go because it's thick and that's how you hurt yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Once and again, guess what I did? I was mad. I was having a bad day. So I was like, you know what we're going to do? Chonk. Rip the the yep. the the box the uh, utility blade just knife just down the rental ruler and guess who's the little tip edge of my index finger on my left hand was in the way and yeah I no longer have the tip edge of that index finger. <laughs> you get 
that also happens when you're cutting vegetables, just FYI, because I, mean, uh, I, I, I have, and I mean, I've come real close. Like I have definitely like jabbed a, either a utility knife or a, an exacto blade into fingernails or, yeah, no, I've, or, or knives when I'm cutting vegetables. But generally speaking, I don't, I don't do enough cooking to made myself with kitchen knives. Well, that's good. When I, when I worked professionally in a kitchen, yes, uh, that was a, a thing. Hey, because there is, would have not maimed myself with my extraordinarily sharp shears, hair cutting shears yet. Well, there's yet. for cooking. There's a very particular way you're supposed to hold vegetable you're supposed to hold things I know you're in kind to keep, of a, keep your fingertips like curled in yeah there you basically make like a claw when you're when you're doing it so that's so that that you don't chop your fingers off and i have yes i have maimed myself because i was being impatient or angry in the kitchen right. and yeah it's been terrible but yes but art art but and also what we're saying is you know Take a deep breath, cool yourself down, double check where your fingertips are before you cut anything. Yeah, yeah. Also, with, with art, with anything you're doing, practical applications of anything, when you're when you're upset or emotional, take I'm just going to let you know, take a break. Step away. Don't... It's okay. It's okay. Just take a moment and and relax and feel and you better will not get extra credit if you bleed on your project i'm yes. just telling well, that and me. just in general i feel like it's a good step away because that is every single time i have been angry when i have co- been cooking i make the worst food mm. oh the the anger goes into the food yes yes i'm a i'm a strong believer that that the secret ingredient in good in good food is always love because because you're because you enjoy what you're doing and my my secret ingredient when i cook is drunkenness well yeah there there can be a little bit of that <laughs> i subscribe to the julia childs when i cook at home grab a bottle of whatever you like you're gonna be in the kitchen for a couple of hours oh yeah when i cook at home oh, there's drinking, uh, there's no amount of there's there's always alcohol involved when i'm cooking at home when i'm cooking professionally not so much um, I shouldn't say tipsiness. Yes. Yeah. I've never. I mean, I have been in kitchens, but like, yeah, no. Yeah. Like, I ain't no professional cook. Yeah. yeah. No. I unfortunately, I I did that for a while. I am, however, a professional artist. Yes, and so I mean, technically speaking. Yes. Well, and so so art. I bought myself two. Very hard to come by Remedios Varro pieces that that uh that are my are two of my favorites. Our favorite surrealist. Yes. Oh my god, I love her stuff. Her and Lorena Carrington had such a weird, beautiful friendship, possibly romance, but possibly yeah. just friendship. I don't know. It was weird. It was weird and lovely realists baby who knows yeah it was beautiful and they and both of them created some really wonderful artwork and so i i found a slightly sketchy but <laughs> place <laughs> on the internet that had prints and and i i bought them so i bought uh i believe it's called transformation and then the other one is called the explorer and 
go go if you like surreal if you like surreal artists and also if you're not familiar with a lot of female artists yeah. i highly recommend going and looking up remedios varo because her stuff is amazing no one of my my personal favorites of hers is no what it's is not it? surprising which one is it it's the one where she has the little cat castle <laughs> oh yeah the little cat castle I can't remember the name of that one, but I know which one you're talking about. Very serious, very, very real surrealist artist. And one of her paintings is a little tiny cat castle. It's just filled with just happy cats. And I love it so much. Yeah. 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 No, she does a bunch of little weird, weird yeah, things. Yeah, because it's all like all the male artists are like serious. We're going to bending reality. We're going to, we're going to, we are the mirror that expresses the subconscious. And she's like, look, I painted a bunch of cats. Yeah. They yeah, got no. their own castle. It's in a forest. They're so happy. Yes. Well, and, and a lot of people associate mm -hmm. her style with uh, the literary style of magic realism. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, it's very magic realism. Yes. So and she's and do you know who else is technically technically kind of depending on which school of art like like art criticism you subscribe to is technically a surrealist who william blake one ah, of my faves i can see that because his style can be can be described as surrealistic yeah. oh, but you know, he lived hundreds of years yeah. Before, before any that. other serialists. Yes, like the great red drag dragon. Right. Well or anything that's in the, you know, songs of innocence yeah. and songs of experience and it's all very surrealistic. Yeah. It's not uh indicative of his time. It's very indicative of this rich inner world and that he had created, uh, which is a surrealist thing. Mm -hmm. And he said it all poetry because he was nothing if not an overachiever and when no one could create his works, mass produce his works properly. He invented illuminated manuscript printing because, by God, if you're going to do a thing, invent a whole system of printing to do it well. Yep. Yeah. He's like, you, you people don't seem to know how to do it. I'm going to do it for you. Here you go. And according to William Blake, his dead brother told him how to create. Oh, of this, course. This, this, this mechanical wonder in a dream but that what that doesn't surprise me <laughs> yeah no he was a weird guy but he totally. created beautiful art and he felt very big emotions so so what is your favorite spot for him so what is your favorite piece by william blake oh man that's a hard one you can you can think about it if yeah you i have to time. think about it i yeah, I have to think about it. And because he, he's very intrinsically uh, linked to his poetry, so I'm trying to think of, like, is there a piece that I like, I like the art better than the poem? Or am I linking both the poem and the artwork? Thinking about you like to stare poem. at the artwork while you read the poem. <laughs> I will read a William Blake poem. I don't, I don't want you to. I mean, I've read them. I just... <laughs> You don't like William Blake? I know, I do. I like William Blake. I went through a big period. I went through a big uh, poetry phase where I read a lot of William Blake and a bunch of other contemporary poets of the time because, you know, nerd. Because <laughs> we all have one. And high school. Well, no, it was actually pre-high school age. 
I want to say middle school age was when I got really into like Shelly and Keats and Blake and Byron and, and a bunch of other. Two of weird... those dudes are awful. <laughs> yes, I know. I don't like them personally. No. <laughs> Historically, they're terrible. No, I no, I went through a big like. I okay. I'm about to say a thing that is not true, but I'm going to say it like it is true. Like a lot of young girls, I went through a Percy Shelley is the most romantic romantic that has ever romanced on the aisle. Uh, you know. Yeah. It, 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 except for Keats, who died young yeah. and trapped, caring for his sick sister. So he's even better. Yeah. But then, like, as a teenager, I'm like, oh my God, he's so romantic. And he loved his wife so much. And such an intoxication. So nice. And then as an adult, I'm like, Percy Shelley was a fuckboy and I hate his guts. Yes. Yeah. I'm gl- the only good thing he ever died- did in his life was die so that he could free Mary Shelley from his shackles. <laughs> now I have opinions on Percy Shelley and they are not good. <laughs> Tell me more. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. This is, a, <laughs> just... this is an art episode. This is not a Nicole hates Percy Shelley episode, but Nicole could do a per- Nicole hates Percy Shelley episode. So I hate him so Oh, actually. Much. Well, I mean, honestly, I hate Ooh, Shelley. started wooing Mary when she was I hate. Sick. And her mom had just died, and then when I, she got little, all right, you're going off on the rant. Savvy, starts like hitting you're going off on the rant. Sister. I have opinions. You do. I hate. I. I actually don't like Shelley and Byron either. Byron's another one, but yes. you know Byron's. Byron yes. was such an awful person that his one of his ex wives created a total math genius just as a as a you know Ada Lovelace is yes. a, is. Byron's Byron's daughter daughter, and she's the result of his ex-wife hating him so much it was like no poetry or art for you all math and science (laughs) she's like cool I'm just gonna invent the computer and it's like cool that's fine just don't ever read a poem don't ever write a poem don't ever look at a poem if you so much as flirt with a poet you are out of the house Ada somebody sends you a card that's got a couplet a, a, a rhyming a couplet in it that's it you're out of the house yep yep no one's allowed to sing happy birthday to you. Nothing. Happy birthday's too close. Songs are too, too close, close to a poem. So no music either. <laughs> too many songs started off their life as poems. So nope. Nope. We're shutting it down. <laughs> no poetry for you, young and missy. don't look Math at flowers. The, the things a woman should concern herself and with. And never go outside and look at a flower because that's how poetry happens. <laughs> Do you want poetry? Because that's how poetry starts. You go outside and you enjoy nature. It's just... Uh-uh. No. Not in this household. No. I'm going to teach you how to dissect that flower. No, you're going to learn all of the Latin names for everything. There will be no merriment or poetry in this. Flower crown? Uh-uh. Not in this household, sister. No. Because that's a step too close to poetry. You know who loved flower crowns? Your father. (laughs) And his dumb foot. (laughs) The ableist. The least offensive thing about about Byron was that he had a club foot. Yeah. Everything else was so much garbage. Yeah, no, they're both. That's a cheap shot. That's a cheap shot. 
Ada Lovelace's mom, whose name I can't remember. You were a Contessa or some stuff. Yeah. Something. Somebody Lovelace. I think she was an Italian Contessa. I oh. could totally be wrong. I know. I imagine her yelling at Ada in an Italian accent. No, it's a poetry for you. <laughs> That's probably not true. Oh, and on that note. Uh, I'm gonna press a button. Are you a soul-searching poet of somber disposition, looking for a location necessary to morbid reflection? Are you a stoic professor of criminology in need of a home ripe with a potential for intriguing calamity? We have a location for you! Skeletal tree on a misshrouded hill? We got it! Rickety shutters that clatter in a baleful wind? See the air! The hounds? You can't stop us from releasing them! From creaking floorboards to inaccessible attics, every property is guaranteed to amuse, inspire and forebode. Sextant sent Sextant's mood-setting real estate. There's a frog on the moors and it could be yours! So, did you think of a famous, well not famous, a William Blake painting that you liked? Yes, I did. It, it is the Great Red Jack Dragon and the Woman Clothed with the Sun. Oh, that's the inspiration it's... for the Red Dragon by Thomas Harris. Yeah, uh, which is there's some you know there's some cloven hoofedness going on. There's a lady with wings. Everybody's got arms akimbo. I don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on? You don't. William Blake probably didn't either. He just went, I want to draw this. It's cool. His dead brother sent him the sketch in a dream. Probably. It's also, the have anybody who watches Hannibal will know yes, what that is. Yes, there's will a be heavy very, William Blake. Will be very, very familiar with William, with that particular painting. I, I didn't watch Hannibal. You don't need to. No, And you, I well, only ever saw Silence of the Lambs, so I don't get the whole William Blake Hannibal connection. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just yeah. that that was not that did not inform murder boyfriends did not inform my choice. Murder husbands. Oh get husbands. It, I'm get sorry, it right. I didn't realize they had gotten married. Get it right. No. <laughs> I realized that in the fan fiction they had gotten married. I apologize. No, no. I've I just happened to follow a couple of people on the on uh social media that constantly post things about the murder husbands and uh and so i happen to know i don't know anything i'm i find the fact that people want the two of them to make out slightly disturbing because if you i actually have i've read the books a million years ago um all right, fun. This is going to be. And, and, this is going to be a and life. You've seen the people that they've cast in the TV show, and somehow you're still confused. Well, I mean, they're attractive, and yes, I do yeah. kind of want them to mush their faces together. But, uh, but it's also the fact that Hannibal tortures the character, tortures the William Grant, Will Graham character, um, and in the books, disfigures him horribly and. And basically makes him go live. He ends up spending the rest of his life in isolation in his house because he is so maimed and disfigured that it's not help, that he can't go outside anymore. So I the so there's that part of me that's like I I Emmett I don't want them to make out. <laughs> I hate to be the person that breaks this to you, but that's part of the thing, Emmett. Oh, you know 
They've read the books too. Oh, is they know it? how oh. it ends. Oh, is it? Oh, that's oh. People love a self-destructive ship. I okay. So here's here's a historical Emmett fact. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna go into uh, some some deep dive Emmett Emmett Davenport history. Uh, my mother did a whole study on serial killers, and mm-hmm. and reading some of those books mm-hmm. was part of of one of her of of one of her uh study group things that she had to do for it, and so I I just yeah. don't have that I don't have that fetish. It's, I'm sorry it's for me either. Uh, it, and you know I love a good serial killer. And, and don't get me wrong, I would like Hugh Hugh Dancy and. And uh, and Mads Mikkelsen to smush faces all all night long. Don't get me wrong; the actors themselves smush 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 faces. Go for it. Sweaters. Just yes, like in the kitchen, the food fascination. I'm totally on on board for. Like, uh, yes, I realize he's he's a cannibal and he is making things that are supposed to be made from humans but the you know the table spread looks beautiful i you know i'm there for that i'm there for all of that i am not there for the 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 abuse the weird broken human wasteland relationship that those characters are are doomed to have don't you want to eat the forbidden meats oh no i would totally eat those like I would eat the front. It's like, look, if he's gonna be a cannibal. If he's if he's gonna yeah, if he's gonna be a cannibal, but he makes a nice spread. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I'd be there. Is this me ethically sourced? Have we talked? Do you I have mean, a written com? Oh, look, a little video of the yeah. per- of the victim saying, "Yes, I would like to be eaten by bad." Oh no, honestly, if the please. if the if you yeah. just if you just tell me the victim was terrible, was a terrible human being. Uh, I might be. You still get arrested for that because there's a real case that happened in Germany. Yeah, I know. Because of course it did. Of course. But no, the the. No, I know. The the, the fucked upness of it is part of the appeal. I may. That must be. I don't have a serial. I I'm very into. I'm very fascinated by serial killers, but I don't have a. Well, I just feel like that must be some. Even my boyfriend. Yeah, that must be something. That must be for people who have never had fucked up childhoods. Maybe, or, or maybe that's how they—that's how they parse their fucked maybe, up. We're not going to yuck anybody's yeah. down. Oh here. no, that's fine. It's just—it's all fantasies. Some people want to. Some people want to get down and dirty with Harley Quinn. Yeah. Why? She's also like the same kind of. She's a to say a, a different but similar level flavor of crazy. Oh. All right. There's always, there's always going to be somebody that goes for the for the the Percy Shelleys and the Lord Byrons of the world. I just I don't know. It's just, it's just it's, not us. It's and, no, you know, it's not. As long as they're not in actual relationships with cannibals or uh, psychotic clowns that keep uh, you know wild exotic animals as pets, it's all fine. It's, everything no, is no, everything it's... is fine in the realm of your head as long as it doesn't bleed into your everyday life yeah i suppose that's true it just you you are just, this is this is a tirade that is spoken by somebody who has not spent enough time on fan for like fan fiction forums no i i have opinions about fan fiction i am pro fan fiction but oh, some, I mean, every once in a while it's like i'm pro right. i'm i am 
I am pro like I agree that yes, fan fiction is a thing, and that it's yeah, and that it's therapeutic for some people, and and that and that yes, that I understand the reason for it. I do, but I also I don't want to read it. I'm necessarily fan fiction. I enjoy it. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's very very bad though. I mean, I have been. I have. I myself have been. Uh, swayed to the idea of creating my own fan fiction, and then I, and then I stop myself. Cause it's a lot of work. Yeah, I don't. I also realize that you know what? Not every hobby that I have needs to be shared with the world. <laughs> you keep your fan fiction in a folder on your computer, the shame folder. How'd you know that's what I called it? <laughs> I took a. <laughs> Take an educated guess. Someday I am. I have my fan. I have my AO3 account under my name. Someday I'm gonna put something up under there. I don't know what it'll be for, but watch out, Joe. <laughs> Which I've discussed on the show before. I am. I am mildly embarrassed to admit, but I will admit. I I wrote fan fiction. I'm not ashamed. Oh, I'm a little ashamed, but well, not no, enough not to admit it. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, it's oh, not. It's fun. It's a fun writing exercise. No, I've, I understand that I it's... understand that certain people want to do it because they want to see themselves represented in the fiction that they love. Yes. Which, yeah, to- again, I totally understand. Um, but sometimes, y'all, just go to therapy. Just, yeah. just, just go to therapy. Yeah, no, yeah. that's... Yeah. Yeah. I just... Well, also, I've been trying to embrace... I've been trying to embrace the fact that, like, the whole, your hobbies, your things that, it, that you enjoy don't have to be monetized and they don't mm-hmm. have to be shared. They're like, that, that there's sometimes there's just stuff that you do for you. It's for you. And, and that's fine. Like. Oh, I, I agree. With, I don't think you're, well, and that's, I think one of the reasons people enjoy fan fiction is that it's not monetized, but there right. is a community. So it's, yes. Except that when it becomes Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> when you write Twilight. <laughs> or, yes, you decide to. Or, no, no, wait, Fifty Shades of Grey. That yes. was the one. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, and the um, Immortal Engines. Isn't it Immortal Engines that started out as fan fiction? She, Cassandra Kane. That's a different, oh, I don't know. She's, no, Cassandra Kane started out as a big name in the Harry Potter fandom. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. So, but like, hey, you know, sometimes, and we, you and I both know, professional literary types that still write fan fiction on the downtime just because yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. I know that. It's just. So, make your art, do your thing. I just, I'm just, I'm just coming to personal terms with the fact that, that. I can have a hobby that I should have a hobby that I don't have to monetize or, monetize or or share. Like for me, that is a yeah. thing that I'm embracing mostly because uh, of our Twitter tales. Yeah. I mean, that's basically RPG. Yes. And yeah. And the fact that we have been doing it for almost a decade now, yeah. almost a decade. And when we first started doing it, we kept talking about how we should write, actually write this down and, and we do something with it. And it's like, no, that's too much work. Also, the fact that, that you know what? When I was a kid and my sister and I played make-believe because we were homeschooled, we had a whole make-believe game that, that I kind of helped. Or I, or I kept it organized and we just basically 
made a whole bunch of characters and story things that we did. And my mom would constantly go, you should do something with this. You should do something with this. You should share yeah. it with people. And now it, and after all of this time, it, it has dawned on me that, you know what? I don't need to. That's not what yeah. it's for. It's not what it's for. It's for you me. Can play an RPG without having to turn it into an epic sprawling. Yes. I don't need to turn it into a an animated series. I don't no. need to make a fan. I don't need to write fictional tales of it and post it places. I'm good. You can just do something because it brings you joy yeah. and you enjoy it, and it and takes that's your what mind I off been... of the garbage dumpster fish fire that is the real world yeah and that is why and personally that is that is the thing that i have been coming to terms with and so whenever i come across some terrible fan fiction or whatever or bad art on deviant art that i'm like why did you post this here like why because did you put they this? are doing it for themselves yes but you didn't need to share it well no they they're doing it for the community of people that also enjoy the same kind of work they're creating yeah. you know I they're doing it with friends yeah yeah that i mean that's that that's what it is you you i know it's just sometimes i i'm grumpy about it <laughs> you'll get there <laughs> you'll be writing fan fiction by the end of the year and oh i'm sure i have actually already written a fan fiction fan fiction in the butt by my own fan fiction the <laughs> davenport story you're like, please no. Ah, what? Are, well, if you're gonna, oh have, my gosh, is there Chuck Tingle fan gonna, fiction out there? If I'll prob- bet there is. If you, well, so if Chuck Tingle is gonna write my story, I might be all for it. <laughs> hey Chuck, I would like personally a crypt, a, a cryptid, maybe a, a a post, a postal worker, a lawyer a judge, what, you know, whatever, a doctor, whatever strikes your fancy in the moment. But I would like a, I would like a cryptid boyfriend and or girlfriend. Uh, Mothman would be preferred, but I'm open to Bigfoot. I'm open to the Jersey Devil. The jackalope. A, a jackalope, a human jackalope. Like, well, he has to be like, or she has to be, you know, person-sized, not jackalope sized. Okay, Jersey Devil. That would, that's, I mean, I'm I sure he's already written a Jersey Devil. He's a bit taller, just taller. Okay. I don't know. I don't want to say I'm a size queen when it comes to cryptids, but it sounds like I'm saying I'm a size queen when it comes to cryptids. I feel like you you are. Let's so, get back to art. Yes. <laughs> we probably should. The best segue we've ever had on this show. Uh, so rather, rather into my increasingly desperate for Ray to romance a cryptid. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite pieces of art by a very famous artist. And a work that I got to see in person a couple of years ago. Is, is it I, Van Gogh? What? Is it Van Gogh? It is not Van Gogh. Van Gogh is still one of my, my faves because I was a teenager when my aunt took me to New York and there was a traveling Van Gogh show and I got to see the Starry Night in person and it kind of shifted my reality just a little bit i won't go into that um <laughs> one of my favorite no is that actually and uh i went to a hair show in chicago with all of my co-workers at the salon where i work and we took a day trip to the art institute of chicago oh yeah which is a great museum and if you are ever in chicago definitely 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 go also, they had a whole exhibit at the time that was just tiny miniature rooms. Oh, then it was it the from ni- different time periods from both 
Europe and America, and it was the greatest. Oh, so it wasn't the nut the nut house lady? No, it wasn't the nut house murders. It was these okay. were t- tiny miniature rooms that were uh, depicting like typical, like one would be a Parisian flat from the 1820s, oh, and then nice. they would also have like a typical American home from the same time period. And it was tiny little miniature rooms, and it was they were beautiful and intricate, and it was very and and you know how you know how I love tiny things. Yes, yeah. There were no murders in the rooms. Oh, so, but there was a a tiny miniature cathedral, so there was stained glass, and that was very pretty. But uh, that's either here or there. I think that was a. I don't know if it's still at at the Chicago Institute right, of Art right now, but if it is, go see the tiny rooms. They are so cool. Um, no, the picture I saw was by Henri Toulouse Lautrec. Ah, yes, French, very famous Parisian artist from the Edson Hansworths. And it's at the Moulin Rouge. And it's one of his kind of like just, uh, I guess, domestic scenes painted inside the Moulin Rouge. First of all, Henri Toulouse-Lautrec was a very interesting character. Yes. Um, He referred to himself as the, I think the little coffee pot or something. Yeah, he had a little, he had a little funny nickname. Um, He had had, uh, dwarfism. No, no, he didn't I have thought, dwarfism. He, he had did. some sort of injury that had uh, stunted the growth of just his legs. Oh, so was he, it? I didn't realize it was an injury that ca- caused. Yeah, it. he okay. had some kind of like injury or yeah, something that had had stunted the growth. So he was wee, um, and apparently it was only his legs that were short, but his manhood was unaffected, and that's why he called himself the little cock stout coffee pot. Oh, yeah. He hung out of the Moulin Rouge and he loved it. I know he was a big absinthe drinker. Yeah, he was into like drinking and partying and painting things. But the reason this is one of my favorites is at the Moulin Rouge. It's not like one of his better paintings. It's just kind of a. Uh, it's depicting several famous uh, performers of the time. And it's kind of this weird off kilter um, uh, layout, but it's the painting that has the woman in the just like that half of her face is cut off, and she's just in the the side in the in the right hand side of the, the the portrait, and her face is green. Oh yes, yeah. And it's really weird, and it unsettled people so badly that for years and years and years. There is actually a seam you can see in the painting where they had kind of creased it and folded the painting over and tucked that lady like, away so that you didn't see her when the painting was on display. Because well, it looks like she's about to break the fourth wall and she's like staring a weird at zombie. you. She's just yeah. like this weird green lady that's in the corner staring out like she's photobombed the painting. <laughs> I love her. I love her so much. Uh, the... <laughs> she's a real person she's a dancer she's may milton uh <clears throat> and, and it's just such this and, and it and it delights me because it's this just this and i like and if you and if you're looking at it and you're studying the composition and you're looking because there's that hot spot of the dancer with the red hair in the center and so everything in the background is kind of green and all the other tones are muted and the mirrors are kind of green hued so like composition wise she's balancing out some other bright spots that are on the other side of the painting that are white but it's just such a weird like she's just like a weird zombie lurching into the frame and i love her 
and it's so inexplicable. And the fact that like it's it's one of those things that art historians of old felt we needed to be protected from the terrifying green visage of May, that they actually altered the composition of the painting to make it more quote unquote socially acceptable. And uh, whereas the truth is much weirder and stranger and unsettling than the neat and tidy representation that the, uh, I guess, uh, powers that be at large tried to present to us. And I love that. I, lo I love that she is now being displayed proudly on, <laughs> in the Art Institute of Chicago with a little plaque explaining why this weird green lady is in the photo, <laughs> is in the painting. Uh, and, I, and I love it. I just love it. She's, she's delightful to me. It's weird and, and offsetting and fine art. <laughs> well, so. Sometimes you like things because they're beautiful. Sometimes you like things because they resonate deeply with your soul. Sometimes you like things just because they're just real weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's definitely. Well, so, so one of my favorite paintings, which I actually purchased a print of and along with the other paintings that I just got with the Remedio Sparo, I got a, a Franz von Stuck print, um, who is a German secessionist painter. He's probably problematic. I'm just going to assume he's problematic <laughs> time period. He was, he was a uh, contemporary of Mucha and Klimt and like, you know, all of that time period uh you can t definitely he did a lot of paintings of mythological figures and things like that and my favorite painting by him and just actually one of my favorite paintings in general is this somewhat inexplicable painting called sin and it's essentially eve draped in shadows completely uh except for her torso her nude torso is like the most alabaster white light shining on it reflective part so yes you can see nipple it's definitely you know <laughs> like like, like you know like we we grow up thinking that artists are much you know more are erudite than us and yeah. they're not painting titties out because titties out no no yeah. no 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 that's they why they put them there yes they, they wanted to look at boobs yes. and they put them in their paint but but the the painting itself is everything is shrouded in in shadow except for her torso which you can see very illuminated it's very bright and that but the parts the part of the painting that actually intrigues me the most is the, the fact that what is hidden in the shadows and hidden in the shadow is you can see her face very lightly obscured by what I can only assume is a cloak and shadow. And then there's a giant fuck off snake wrapped around <laughs> her. And you and hate snakes. I do hate snakes, but in artistic manners, I will take it. I will take a painting of a snake any day. And actually, I have loved this painting long before my terrible, terrible fear of snakes. So, the painting predates your fear it, of snakes. It does. It totally predates it. But hidden in the in the shadow of it is a big snake, 
and the and the snake's head is resting on her sh on one of her shoulders and what i like about it so much is the fact that when i first saw the painting i didn't i didn't see it i didn't see the whole thing i didn't see i just thought yeah oh yeah there's boobs i see a nipple okay whatever i don't understand why this is so fascinating yeah, all right, yeah cool but when i actually looked at it more and i realized what it what was hidden in the shadows that's the part that made me go oh no i like this this is yeah oh this is things just resonate with you yeah it's it's weird and inexplicable but it it has it has stuck with me for 30, 30 20, 20 some odd 30 almost 30 years because I saw it in a book when I was in college and well, went, I, I graduated oh. high school in 95 so the summer of 95 is when I went to New York uh saw this painting by Van Gogh totally suddenly understood the whole Van Gogh thing yeah like I, I, and I won't go off, but I won't go on about it because you have already listened to me do this and nobody else cares as much. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, to know that that is oil and it is sometimes layered. Uh, it is a paint. What you don't understand when you see prints of the painting is that it is a textured painting because the, the paint is sometimes layered like an inch thick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The paint, brush, the paint strokes are carved into the paint and it's oil. So he had to wait for that to dry. Yeah. That was a three month period at least, you know. It, it was it was very moving. Um, I also, when I got to go to the uh, the Art Institute of Chicago, I got to see uh, uh, a, a, a uh, Dante Gabriel Rossetti painting. Ooh, I love his uh, stuff. I think it's Bieta, is it Bieta, <gasps> Bieta? Bieta, oh yeah. Beatrix? The, painting, yeah. the, the woman that was his lover that had the red hair yes and he painted and, over and over again yeah she he's her mom she's her his yeah. model for a whole bunch of things yeah yeah and she's kind of like uh praying and her face is uh elevated to the to the light um i also got to i actually got to see two sculptures that i knew about before i had gone there and and they were on display and i was very excited uh, it was bust of an african woman and bust of an african man by charles Henri joseph uh, Cordier, I probably is these French. I don't know if that's how you pronounce yeah. it. Um, but they are these beautiful, delicate sculptures of uh, African people from the 1800s, and you don't see very many representations of Africans in current oh yeah no. Western art. And they are just they're literal sculptures of just people, but and they are beautifully, delicately sculptured, and they're gorgeous. Um, Fun fact, uh, Rossetti actually had an African, uh, she was a French African uh, uh, artist model that he posed for her, him frequently. Uh, his, I, th I, I know that he is, she is referenced in his sketchbooks and in his journals, but I don't, I'd have to look up to see if any of the paintings of her are on display mm -hmm. because she was this person that was a very well-known artist model that all of the pre-Raphaelites drew, but you don't ever see her depicted in the artwork. And that's really kind of crappy. And she was this real person that existed that was in this this cool bohemian French like place and, and she's just written out of history because it's not the history that they want to present. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that seems about 
That seems about right. It's about right. I mean, all those marble sculptures from the Greek and Roman periods were all painted in garish colors. Yeah. And they actually sandblasted the paint off of the sculptures because the people who were displaying them decided that they looked better without them. Which is probably why the Venus de Milo missed, lost arms. Well, that was Christians <laughs> hacking the heads no, off of I know, pagan I idols. Know, just... But the well, sandblasting probably didn't help. Well, not, well, so when I went to uh, France uh, probably almost a decade ago, I would love to go back because I didn't get to see everything that I wanted to see at the museums I went to. We went to uh, the Musée d'Orsay, mm. which is a huge Art Nouveau, has a huge Art Nouveau collection. And that mm. was actually why we wa- wanted to go to it. It was, that wing was closed for renovation. So we had to look at everything else, which was also lovely. Don't get me wrong. It was gorgeous. Um yeah. But but uh but I did get to see some Degas and uh, Whistler and some other various paintings that that uh, up close and one of the things that that I enjoy when I look at art is the fact that you get to actually see brush strokes and and palette knives being right. used. like you can tell if you are familiar if you've ever sat and watched an artist a painter work on a piece piece of artwork you you recognize you start to recognize like what implements they've used and how very tricky it is when you're using oils it kind of puts the human back in the painting yeah yeah and i like i like that when i went to oh, i can't remember i think i want to say it's the isabel gardner museum but i'm not positive uh the Goya's third of May was on display and it is, that is a huge painting. It is, I believe eight feet by 11 feet. Mm -hmm. It is a giant painting. I did not realize it was that big because I had only ever seen it in books. I've actually, I've had that happen both with, oh my God, it's so huge. And I've also had the the reverse happen where you look at a painting, a work of art, you suddenly go, oh my God, it's so small. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I saw John Fusilli's Nightmare. Yeah. And it, and he has, he has like 20 different versions of it because he, because he kept changing it. But the one that I saw was in the Hood Museum in Dartmouth, North uh, New Hampshire, and it was very, very tiny. The uh, when I went, in addition to having Monet uh, Van Gogh's on display, there was also an Escher uh, exhibition when I went to the MoMA in New York, and I did not realize that Escher's works were so very small. Oh yeah, they are. I actually went to the Escher Museum. <laughs> like, and you blow, and bless all the famous ones, the the stairs, and the guy holding the the, the, the phantasm yeah. cube, and all, you know, sphere, and everything. And, and I just, because you often see them blown up so large yeah. that you can see the detail, I did not realize that they were such small, uh, intimate. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I actually went to the Escher Museum in uh, The Hague, in mm. the Netherlands and and yeah and all of the pieces were small and they were done with a mirror and when you realize that it's like yeah. this is that is wacky a lot of obsession right <laughs> a there. lot of weird probably 
a therapy session going on right there. <laughs> Again, explains a lot. But so what we're saying about art is you should go out and enjoy it when you can because the yep. the actual art itself is probably a thousand times more mind-blowing than what you have seen looking at pictures from the internet or in a book. The colors are going to be better. Yes. Having seen expressionist and post-expressionist art in, in IRL, yes. the colors are never represented properly. Yeah, well, and also if you get ever get to see uh, retrospectives... Mm-hmm. because I love re- I love a good artist retrospective because you get to watch the whole process of how they got to the point where, you know, usually the point where they became super, super famous and recognizable and where you can, you know, when you can look at a Rembrandt and go, oh, that's a Rembrandt. Uh, like and- if you can see the, the the whole learning process, it's fascinating to me. I would also like to demystify it a little bit. Rembrandt got paid for every painting he ever made, except for the self-portraits. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. I just threw out Rembrandt because no, because no, it was I'm, a, I'm just, the like, first I'm name just, that popped up. We tend to kind of um, mythol put these kinds of works on a mythic. Uh, oh yeah, no, he was a portrait. He was a portrait artist. They they speak so strongly to people, and and yeah. they do. And we're saying this is two people that art obviously speaks very strongly to um it's but it's i and and a lot of times they're they're dealing with a lot of complex you know personal mythology in the painting uh that being said sometimes it ain't that deep yeah sometimes it's just they got paid for this yeah like you know hey uh, ruben painted chubby ladies in sheer clothing because he really liked chubby ladies in sheer clothing yeah all of michelangelo's uh sculptures were very very masculine looking even the women because uh, michelangelo be- liked dudes because michelangelo liked dudes that's uh, why you know, the like the reason that all them titties is out is because the artists were dudes that wanted to paint titties out yeah you know it, it it's it's not that complicated it really isn't art is totally accessible if you just look at a painting and go, <laughs> I like that because there's a snake and there's boobs, you've gotten it, my friend. That's it. <laughs> like, yes, there might be some deeper themes going on. Of course there are. But the reason the artist painted it was because the artist went out on a paint a snake and some boobs. Yes. That's why when you look at uh, Leonardo da Vinci's uh, notebooks and you see uh, <laughs> dick dicks with wings all over it. Because... Because dicks with wings are hilarious. And also his boyfriend at the time just decided to doodle some dicks with legs, marching, trooping towards an anus that was labeled with his name. Yeah. And if you think that isn't exactly what you think it is, you are wrong. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci, one of the greatest scientific and artistic minds of Western culture, had a boyfriend that tried to either amuse, irritate, or entertain himself by drawing dicks with legs in the margins of his sketchbook. Yep. Humans have always been humans. Yes. Yeah. And with that note, I think it's time to say goodbye because we have 
gone on forever. We could go on forever for art with art forever. Yeah, no, like I was really you know? in. Yeah, like you know, she's an artist. I I, was... <laughs> I once worked as an art like at an art library for an arts a library for an art school. So yeah, we got we got mad art stuff for days and i I love art history i felt for my poor co-workers that every time we walked into a new room in the art institute of chicago we're like oh hey you know what the story behind this painting is let me tell you about how the girlfriend of this artist and the boyfriend of the other artist were fighting (laughs) because also we know also you know what else great art is about Fucking human drama. Yeah. Oh gosh. Is a soap opera. Yes. All of it. Well, also. Well, yeah. Also, when you think about the fact that you know, for a lot of these artists, there was no television, there was no social media, there was no radio. This was the only entertainment they had. They had to be messy bitches on canvas. Yes. That's get... the name of the title. There's the title of our episode. Messy bitches on canvas. No, iTunes won't let us get away with that. You don't know that. <laughs> hey, iTunes. Let's let's see what happens. No, speaking of iTunes, if you could drop us a review on on wherever Apple it is podcasts. Yeah, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be awesome. Five stars help rise us in the uh, algorithms so that other people can find us. If you like this thing we do, this Clockwork of Cabarets, you can help support it by going to our Patreon or donating on PayPal uh, or, or buying us a coffee on Coffee. All of that information is on, re- on our website, which is at agonyoutstudios.com. Uh, you can follow us on social media. She's at Emmett Davenport, and I'm at Lady Addercop, and all of the various places. Again, all of that information is on our website at agonyoutstudios.com. Also, if you are just tuning in and wondering where all the music is, uh, we can't do it here anymore. So you have to go and listen to it on our Mixcloud uh, account because we got in trouble. We uh, did get in trouble. So, so go to mixcloud.com backslash that darling DJ duo and you will find the music playlists up the wazoo. They're oh, all there. So many. There are so many from our past episodes, and we will be putting the supplemental music episode on there so that ev- so that you get everything that everyone wants you get your you art talk- new music that you crave and you still get the rambling that we do yes and yeah. uh, if if sometimes one or the other of us gets bored and we dj occasionally so definitely follow us on social media to find out when that stuff happens yes and with that this has been the clockwork cabaret she is lady Addercup. and she is emmett davenport and it is not work we do it's love <laughs> Person. A body falls past the window. Whatever. <laughs> you put put it down and you feel like shaky all over. Both your hands are covered. Immediately peg him as a cogman. So we've known each other for years. It's Sumeshi. One of the knives is missing from a garter hilt because it is being pressed to your throat. Damn. We had a... Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> so you took money from him, huh? We talked about this earlier. <laughs> he was being attacked by the forces of the American Confederation. <laughs> are you constantly checking for traps? <laughs> the Steamrollers Adventure Podcast is available at rigstories.com or on iTunes. You can also get it at Stitcher and Google Play.